The Lifestylist, episode 155, featuring Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast is presented by my homies over at Onnit.com. Onnit.com is a health and fitness juggernaut. These guys are super dedicated to delivering all things human optimization to a vast customer base of athletes, fitness gurus, and entrepreneurs like myself. It's a biohacker's haven, to be honest with you. And I've been using tons of their stuff for years, and I'm really stoked to be working with them on the show. So on any given day, if you walked into my kitchen, here's what you would find. You would find a bottle of their krill oil, which I take all the time. Their flavored MCT oils, which are like a cheat. Remember those coffee creamers that are super toxic, but kind of delicious vanilla hazelnut. I always liked those, but I just knew they're really bad for you. They have healthy versions of those where basically you just add a squirt of their flavored MCT to whatever coffee drink and it's on point. And and actually they have a really good coffee too, which I just recently got turned on to. It doesn't have any mold or any weird stuff in it. Very good uh, single origin coffee, which is delicious and hella strong though, I'm warning you. And then also their flagship product, Alpha Brain, which like anyone who's into biohacking and nootropics knows about Alpha Brain. That was the first product of theirs that I tried many years ago and still use. And then uh, my current fave is something called New Mood, which is an herbal blend that just totally chills you out. It's great for anxiety and when you're just kind of too amped up on their coffee, to be honest, (laughs) use that to kind of calm down and it's great for sleep too. So they just have a ton of stuff that I like, fitness products, and I don't know, it's just a massive company. I've been to their headquarters. It's a great operation. I really believe in the people behind it and what they're doing. So head over to onnit.com forward slash Luke and get 10% off all foods and supplements. And for a limited time, if you go to onnit.com forward slash Luke, you can receive a 14 count bottle of Alpha Brain to try for free. That's it. Just pay for shipping. So go to onnit.com forward slash Luke and check it out. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast, along with many others, is brought to you by my friends over at Organifi. And today, the product I'd like to talk about is Organifi Gold, and it gets a serious gold medal. The purpose of this particular product is to soothe you and to help you recover and relax. So I typically do this one at night in a hot drink, which I'll tell you about, although you can do it on ice during the daytime. It's kind of an all-in-one deal. But the core ingredient of the gold is turmeric, and it's an anti-inflammatory spice. That's one of my favorites. I use it all the time. It's got actually over 8,000 published studies and articles showing its numerous health benefits. So I'll make myself a nice fatty little golden latte to wind the night down. 
It's also a way that I cheat and trick my friends into thinking I'm a really good chef because I make this amazing drink. But literally all there is is hot water and Organifi gold and some ghee or coconut oil and it tastes amazing because it's got uh, coconut milk and cinnamon and ginger and lemon balm and a couple medicinal mushrooms. So it's a really warm, relaxing beverage and it's clinically proven to reduce stress. So that's what I like to do at night. That's Organifi gold and you can mix it into all kinds of drinks and smoothies and make ice cream out of it and everything. It's just totally badass and more than anything. I mean, it's good for you and all that, of course, but it's just super, super delicious. I love this stuff. I live on it. Okay. So go to Organifi.com slash Luke. That's Organifi with an I, Organifi.com forward slash Luke. And if you use the code lifestylist, you'll save 20% off on your little bucket of gold. That's Organifi.com forward slash Luke, 20% off with lifestylist. What's cracking, people? What's popping? Luke Story, host of this here podcast known as The Lifestylist. We're going to be building the ultimate lifestyle today with my friend Kyle Kingsbury from On It. It's going to be epic. Before we jump into that, I want to let you know about a special bootleg broadcast that comes out this Friday live in Malibu with Eli Block, where we're going to be talking about orgasm as a spiritual discipline. Yep, you got that. Not one for the kids, though, folks. That's this Friday with Eli Block. And then next Tuesday on our regular release, we've got Tech Dream or EMF Nightmare, how your cell phone and Wi-Fi are trying to kill you and how to stop it with Brian Hoyer. That is a show you don't want to miss. To make sure you don't miss Friday's bonus show or next Tuesday's regular show, just click subscribe on your podcast app and the damn things are going to get downloaded to you every week automatically. You do nothing except click play and listen for your enjoyment and enlightenment. I've got a few upcoming speaking engagements. August 22nd, I'll be at Next Health in Century City. August 23rd, the following night, I'll be at OsteoStrong in West LA. Then one of my favorite events of all time, Mercado Sagrado, October 13th and 14th, where I'll be doing something real special. And then I'll be at Whitma Live again in New York City on October 25th. To get access to any of the events in which I'm participating, simply go to lukestory.com forward slash events. Okay, on to today's show. Check it out. So uh, Kyle Kingsbury is the Director of Human Optimization over at Onnit out in Austin, Texas, where I recently spent uh, a couple days when I was out there for Paleo FX. And uh, he had me as a guest on his show. I was on the Aubrey Marcus show. Then I had Kyle on mine. It was a damn party over there at the Onnit headquarters. Really amazing experience all around. And uh, Kyle's just a fantastic guy. I mean, if you look at this guy, he, he it looks like he could rip your head off with his bare hands, but he's truly the epitome of a, a gentle giant. Just a really cool, conscious guy. And, you know, something I was just thinking of as I recorded this uh, intro was on the day that he and I recorded, I had a flight out of Austin back to LAX and we recorded so long because there was all this stuff going on and the Onnit headquarters is really like a vortex. Once you step through that door, you, you just have no idea what's going to happen. So as a result, I was going to miss my flight and I was about to jump in an Uber and Kyle's like, dude, you, I know Austin, you're never going to make it. Let me just drive you. And homie drove me to the airport. I don't even drive my best damn friends to the airport. And that's when I knew Kyle was a special man. So this is a really great episode. So what we're going to talk about with Kyle is uh, how he used fighting and violence as a coping mechanism as a kid the difference between useful and dangerous drugs, learning to quiet the mental noise without the use of drugs, 
what it's like to struggle with suicidal thoughts as early as seven years old, the respectful camaraderie between professional fighters, the realization that saved Kyle from jumping to his death in a suicidal episode, the boxing coach that brought Kyle to traditional sweat lodges before and after every fight camp, discovering the world of plant medicines, psilocybin, ayahuasca, and many more, how diet, supplementation, nootropics, and even microdosing play a role in total human optimization at Onnit, why Kyle had to be a bouncer and a bartender at a strip club almost the entire time he was fighting in the UFC. A day in the life of Kyle Kingsbury, breathwork, cold thermogenesis, killer workouts, and more. The transformative plant medicine experiences that Kyle's gone through with his wife and the insane sex they had as a result of using various substances. Teaching your kids the right and wrong way to use plant medicines and other parenting insights. So Kyle, former UFC fighter, current chief over at the Human Optimization Department at Onnit, and just a really great guy. I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. Before we jump into that, I want to remind you to go to lukestory.com forward slash store, where you can find all of my hand-picked favorite supplements and biohacking technology, including, of course, my very favorite products from Onnit. So it's a great way to support the show, our sponsors, and you can get yourself tons of sweet discounts on almost every item in the store. So again, go to lukestory.com forward slash store. And now I present to you in all his conscious warrior glory, Mr. Kyle Kingsbury. Enjoy the show. Kyle, welcome to the Lifestyles Podcast, dude. Fuck yeah. Thanks for having me, brother. It's funny doing two back-to-back shows like so close without even going outside and kind of rebooting. I'm like, wait, who's interviewing who? So those of you listening, Kyle Kingsbury here just interviewed me for the On It podcast. So I don't know which one's going to come out first, but we just did an hour deep dive into some crazy ass shit. It's going to take a little minute. Good, yeah, mine too. Yeah, we're going to probably be, I'm looking at July. Yeah, mine could be even longer. I know. Isn't that crazy when you have a podcast though? It's like there's such an abundance of fascinating people to interview that I never want to pass one up. Like I don't need any interviews right now, but there were two really dope people I ran into at Paleo FX. And I'm just like, that's what I like though. I'm like, fuck, I got to do it. I, I like can't miss this. Yeah. When you're, if your back's against the wall, it sucks, you know, but once yeah. you once you're ahead of the curve, then it's just like, Hey man, there's these fucking awesome people to podcast with. And sorry, your podcast won't air for three months, but that's the name of the game. You I've gotten that spot. I've had a couple. Of, you know, we were talking about Max Lugavier, mm-hmm. and he he came over and did did my show. And I I don't think I realized he had a book launch happening. And so he texts me, he's like, "Hey, my book comes out. Is the show out this week?" And I was like, "Shit, did I tell him it was coming out this week? I don't even know when they're coming out." And then luckily he hit the New York Times bestseller list anyway without my little podcast helping. But yeah, it's um, it is a little weird when you sit on one for a while, and you know, I think people are probably like, "Is he ever going to put it out?" But you know, you got to sequence. To me, I sequence the shows according to sort of the message. So if I do one on fitness, I'm not going to do two of those in a row. Yeah, I've never run back to back fighters. You know, like yeah, yeah, exactly. MMA guys on two weeks in a row. That's fucking exactly. Just, yeah, that's all bad. So why I'm excited to talk to you is you're a little bit. I mean, now that I get got to know you in our other interview, we're totally on the same page with a zillion things. But you are a little bit unique because I haven't interviewed definitely no one that is like warrior energy that's been an MMA fighter and has done some of the crazy shit that you've done to other people and to yourself, which has always been fascinating to me because I've been in two fights my whole life. And I was like, I think one, I was probably seven years old and the other one, 12, both times I got a couple of hits in and then they got me on the ground and I was like, uncle, you know, (laughs) and my like kids I sold weed to pulled them off of me. And that was the end of the (laughs) fight. 
Uh, so we'll get into some of that. But, uh, you know, I've been studying up on you and listening to your show and stuff like that. And we have so much in common in our past, uh, in a sense. We've manifested, you know, our, our adult lives a little bit differently in many ways. But something I really identified with you was some of the shit that you felt in childhood. And so I want to take you back in a time machine a little bit and give us a little bit of context of your journey and some of that discomfort you felt early on, some of the trauma as you experienced it that led you to be this fucking beacon of health and personal development and consciousness, exploration, fitness exploration. I mean, you're a really well-rounded dude, but I know a little bit about you now and that pain is what kind of motivated you in the beginning. Yeah, I think, you know, it's even in, in health and wellness, uh, I don't like to label shit, you know, obviously as you do the work, you're like, oh, that fucking puts you in a box. That's no good. Right. And all these guys that I look up to in that field, like Rob Wolf and Mark Sisson and many others, th- the same goes for them. They're more than their fucking work. They're more than the books they write, you know? But I mean, I think pain's the catalyst for all of them. Rob Wolf talked about being a raw vegan for a couple oh, of years. He was? I didn't know that. Yeah, man. And that oh, was wow. the catalyst. His health went the shitter. You know, and that's when he really started diving in and became an apprentice under Lauren Cordain and, and started figuring out paleo. And now he's known as a paleo guy, but he's still, you know, he'll eat fucking corn, corn tortilla tacos and shit like that, you know, and he's not too dogmatic about his approach. And I appreciate that. But that's yeah, that's good because I ate those last night here in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that thing. Pain is, we have fucking, you know, good cheeses from Southern European cows. You know, like I'm not diehard paleo I'm, yeah. and I'm only keto part of the year. Um, I think those are good practices. Fasting, you know, we can dive into that too, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, pain, pain most definitely was a catalyst. And it's funny how it, it came to where I am now because, you know, you talk about the arc of the hero's journey and you certainly have a fucking big arc, you know, but like it's, it's this idea, like, I mean, just to paint the picture. And I, I said this on the solo podcast on the On It show everyone goes through shit, you know, and that's, that, that is my, my, my disclaimer. It's not a woe is me story. It's not, uh, I had it worse than anyone else. Everyone goes through shit. And the thing is, you know, I think the thing that fucked me up the most was seeing my parents fight constantly, constantly, you know, physically or verbal, uh, almost always verbally, you know, they would throw shit. So there was some physical stuff, but then, you know, my dad never beat us or beat, beat my, my mom or anything like that. Um, cops were called a number of times, things like that, but it's that level of discord and, you know, screaming in each other's faces and screaming in my face. And, and, uh, I fought a lot growing up, you know, like that was a release for me. You, you know, you listen to guys like <laughs> Stephen Kotler and, and, uh, Jamie wheel talk about flow states. Yeah. That's the fucking flow state. I wasn't thinking about anything going on at home. And there was a part of me that because of this stuff I was going through, I really enjoyed fucking people up. And yeah. I didn't care if I got yeah. punched in the face because I felt alive. I felt in the moment and present and I didn't have any other worries. It was just, I'm in survival mode and it feels really good to be here. That's funny. I can kind of connect to that. Although, as I said, I don't have that same experience, but I'm feeling you out right there. And it's like, I'm seeing you in those fights, not only releasing some of the pain that you were accumulating and pushing it out, expressing, pressing out that pain, but I can see you in that flow state, in that presence. Like I can imagine when someone's trying to fucking kill you, that you have to be present. <laughs> like all your problems and the shit going on at home disappears because you're like, ha ha, I'm in with this guy. Mm-hmm. It's after school or whatever, you know, yeah, yeah. on the fucking field or wherever fights happen when you're younger, you know? Yeah, and it wasn't, and that's the thing, like Bruce Lee would say, you know, don't fight angry, you know, be present. It narrows your vision, right? Right. And that's something you really, 
a lot of all the best fighters in professional fighting embody that, you know, but there is an emotional aspect to it. And I think in those fights when I was a kid, I never fought angry. There was just this like, oh yes, like yes, we're gonna do this, you know, like fear for certain, but the second the first punch is thrown, it's just fuck yeah, we're in it, you know, and then it's just no thought, just pure silence, pure, pure movement, pure, wow. pure embodiment of 100 percent presence and aggression. Like I'm going to fuck it. I can, it's an outlet. It's the greatest outlet. And it was a beautiful outlet for me, but that was, you know, it's funny when I look back and kind of unpack that, the motivation behind that and really seeing, and even when I first started fighting professionally, that was still there. I very much wanted to fucking destroy people. It wasn't about being the best version of myself, which, you know, when I retired, that was what it had become. Right. But certainly when I first got into it, it was like, I want to fuck people up. You know, was there, you know, we're going to, I'm going to have to be non-linear here because I, I got the clock here and I got to catch a plane. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to fuck with your story you right now. All around. Well, brother. there's too many interesting things in there. Um, when, when you're fighting like that, is there camaraderie between the fighters? Is Pro- there on the professional level? Yeah. yeah. You okay. know, most I'm not guys, talking about school yeah, scuffles most, and shit. Most guys that make it to that level. Um, they respect the game. They know they're, that everyone's trying to fuck. Only one guy can hold the belt. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Everyone's working towards the same shit. Yeah. Um, there's quite a few guys that I become really close with, even guys that I've lost to, you know, after, right. after fights. But when you're in the ring, you're still like, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. Yeah. For the sport of it. Yeah, for the okay. sport. And, right. and because we've both signed the documents, a contract to do this thing, and when the cage door shuts, all that shit's out the window. Whatever, whatever was said before, whatever the predictions are, whatever the media is talking about, that has nothing to do with it. It's your asses on the line. And the only way out is to fucking successfully defend yourself and to right. win, right? Gladiator or shit. get the shit beat out of you, which I've, I've been the nail as, just as many times as I've been the hammer or close to it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's just funny. I can't wait to get into more of that. But let's, let's get back to your story. So, so that was your first kind of expression or coping mechanism. And mm-hmm. then, as I recall, you also started getting into some drugs and drinking and partying a bit as an escape as well. Yeah, football was a big outlet for me prior to that, you know. And my parents, I don't know if it was a good job, but they would always tell me, you know, don't do drugs. It'll ruin your testosterone and ruin your performance. And that was a great, that was a great play <laughs> is for that my true? dad. Yeah, you know, he was I wonder a, if that's actually true. Well, I think he alcohol was just, is going to fuck with a lot of stuff, right. you know, and certainly with sleep. That's that's a given. There's science. It's smart of your dad though. Stuff. If he's like, all right, what's his passion? Uh-huh. And let me tell him the drugs are going to fuck with his passion. Yeah, it was a great angle. Great yeah. angle. Um, and those are the wrong drugs. You know, I'm I'm an advocate for the right drugs. Yeah. Uh, as as the McKenna brothers have said, we're walking bags of chemicals. You know, I mean, fucking, you could argue nootropics are drugs. Caffeine yeah. is a drug. Nicotine is a drug. You know. I'm with you. I'm with you too. As someone yeah. that you know doesn't at this point choose to like recreationally do drugs, but I mean, the, the coca plant, the morphine poppy, they have a place in, in our human uh, evolution. Yeah. And they have uses. Like if, if I fucking get hit by a car walking out of here today, knock on wood, you better give my ass some morphine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I'm not going to go to find the ghetto in Austin and go buy it and try to put it in myself because I have emotional pain I'm trying to mask, you know? So yeah. I, I, I like that perspective. There is a right drugs. way and a wrong way to do anything, yeah. you know? Yeah. But it's I, taken... A long time to figure that out. <laughs> there are the drugs too that elevate your consciousness. And then there are the ones that if you touch them enough, they're going to bring your ass way down. Yeah. So alcohol you, ultimately is that. It's the anti-psychedelic. You know, it's, it's right. numbing. It, it takes you down a notch. And it, a lot of people think it's freeing. I'm my best self. I'm this, I'm that. But what you're doing is you're essentially quieting the noise. And there's other ways to do that that are less detrimental. 
Yeah. You know, and I still drink on occasion, but nowhere near the way that I used to drink when, you know, and it's funny because I could never see my, my, uh, I have, <laughs> I almost slipped up. We would have needed some editing. I have close family <laughs> members that have gone through AA and the 12 steps. And right. That does resonate with me. I've been, um, I've been in many meetings, you know, and in those things, you know, there, there's a lot of commonalities with that, but it's this general idea of, you know, they have ideas like, yeah, you know, you're going to drink to cover things. You're going to drink when you're in pain. You're going to drink that way. And I never saw that in myself. I saw, I'm drinking a party. I'm drinking to have a good time. Yeah. But yeah. I just kept pouring fucking gasoline on the fire. You know, like there was no limit. I have memories of, uh, you know, flashbacks of being like 13 years old, 14 years old in my fucking chonies, hanging out over my mom's balcony in the backyard, just projectile vomiting everywhere. I remember those days. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and, it, and it's funny to look back on that because it never, even in college, was a thing where I'm drinking because I'm in pain. I'm just drinking to have a good time, you know? And, and I saw the relationship that I had with alcohol and with any drug for that matter was to escape. It was because I was not comfortable in my own skin. You yeah. Know, truly. Yeah. And then what about the other stuff that you've talked about. And, and one thing I think is really cool about you, and I'd love for people to go back and listen to that episode, the solo show you did on the Onnit podcast. It was in December, mm-hmm. 2017. Uh, and you like break down and start getting choked up in that episode. And I've done that a bunch of times on my podcast. And there's like the ego side of me is embarrassed as shit. I feel like such a fucking wuss for doing that. But I'm also like pretty out there, like woo-woo, hippie kind of trippy fucking guy. So it's not that unexpected. I really respected the fact that you were able to connect like that because you're a big dude. You're a fitness guy, former MMA guy. Like I wouldn't look at you and be like, oh, there's a guy who's in touch with his feelings and can access (laughs) his trauma and like use feminine energy and shit. It's just like, no. But I like that you were able to access that and be that authentic and vulnerable, man. And I just want to commend you for being that real because as a man you know, even though I wasn't like your archetypical tough guy, I was a musician and creative and more artistic and stuff like that. It was never safe to talk about shit like we're talking about now. It's mm-hmm. so cool and healthy that men like us from all walks of life, and you know, I'm a little bit older than you by 10 years or so, are able to really, I think, inspire this next generation of men by going there and talking about some of this stuff. So what I'd like to hear about from you that I so related to was not only the escapism that you use through violence and drugs and alcohol, but the suicidal ideation and the point that you got to where it almost became more than an idea. Yeah. Uh, so probably, I mean, for certain, I recall having thoughts of how I was going to kill myself, like planning suicide at seven years old. Maybe it started at six, but definitely by seven. And I remember, you know, thinking of which rifle I could use out of my dad's closet, but the fact that my fingers wouldn't reach far enough to get the gun pointed at my head, um, all sorts of shit. I, you can I, use a stick for that, by yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah, but now you're not to be morbid. I'm glad you didn't figure that out, but just saying. Uh, probably a toe could have worked, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's really fucked up. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, we're, on the, we're on the other side of yeah, it. Yeah, brother, you know? we're on the other side, man. Yeah. It's, it's a water under the bridge. And uh, I remember asking my dad, um, what would happen if I jumped off of our uh, patio onto the ground head first, if I swan dove? And it was only a you know, second story. And he's like, well, you wouldn't die. You'd probably break you know, your, your neck and, and a lot of vertebrae and it, you'd be fucked up. You might be paralyzed. You might have all this shit. And I was nodding my head and listening, but I had already heard the answer I wanted to hear. I wouldn't die, right? So I knew that one was out. And, but this was the shit. Like when, he, when I asked him that question, 
I don't think he had any idea. That's what I was trying to get to, you know? And um, I started, you know, therapy at a young age and I thought it was beneficial in a certain sense, you know, when, when it came to why is he fucking up in school? Why can't he learn? Um, it's like, no, no, he's, you know, I, I was told I was very intelligent and I just didn't like the work and things like that. And clearly now I can see that was the case, but, um, yeah, suicidal thoughts came and went and, and, um, you know, I tried to run away with my sister, didn't make it far. My parents followed us, you know, they, they were like, okay, you guys can run away, you know, and, and we're not coming home. And no, and then they're like a hundred yards behind us the whole time on our walk. And then we were like, fuck, where are we going to sleep? All right, let's turn back. Yeah, you have like your $5 allowance in your pocket. <laughs> $2 a week. Yeah. $2 a week. Like, cool. We can get a happy <laughs> meal. And then by around eight o'clock, we're going to be starving and cold. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, I think in college, that's where I started getting into pills. And, um, you know, I had a doctor that would give me anything. Valium, Vicodin, Xanax. Sweet. And so when you have anxiety, because you can't sit in your own skin comfortably, um, it's, a great, it's a great way to mask that. It's a phenomenal way. But when you stop taking those things, that fucking rebound is real. Like if you've been yeah. chemically altering your anxiety for a period of time and you decide, hey, I feel good. I'm not going to take it. That anxiety is right in your fucking face because you've solved nothing. You have unpacked none of the trauma. <laughs> it's still right fucking there. So well said. Just underneath the surface, you know? And also and, when you're being an armchair, like self-administrative or administrating doctor will do things like, take cocaine and crystal meth to treat anxiety. Uh, bad idea. We'll take alcohol to treat depression. It's a fucking depressant. Mm -hmm. you yeah. Know? So. yeah. Yeah. And then the doctor is not even considering coke and alcohol as a part of the equation, right? It's like Valium was great to come down from coke, you know, and Xanax was great when the coke was really strong, you know, those kind of things. So it's like you're doing this fucking roller coaster with your neurochemistry and no telling what it's how it's bogging down the liver and the kidneys and all that, and still escaping the pain, not not addressing it, you know. And and uh, fo when football ended in college, I sat the bench, my, you know, my junior senior year at ASU, and that was it. Left a chip on my shoulder, which kind of fueled the fighting. But um, when you say you're on the bench, they're not putting you in the games. Yeah, I would get in for like two or three plays. And it uh, fucking drove me crazy. And then, then that's not because I was the best guy. It's because I just wanted to fucking play. Yeah. I'd been, I had been the best guy until I got to ASU, uh, you know? And, and uh, I'm not, the guys that started, some of them didn't even go pro, but they definitely were better than I was looking back on it. Right. Um, but when it ended, I had all, that's all I knew was being an athlete my entire life. And I lost that camaraderie. I lost a reason to want to do shit. I knew I didn't want a desk job, which I have now. I didn't want to sit in a fucking cubicle. I didn't want to do sales or any of the shit that my parents did. And um, having lost all that and then finally all this shit's in my face again, you know, the childhood stuff, everything that's going on that I'd never addressed, I went really into probably the deepest depression that I'd ever had. And um, with, you know, the, the fucking gauntlet of chemicals that I'm putting into my body, uh, a lot of them pharmaceutical that have been prescribed. Like it just was a fucking recipe for rock bottom, you know, and, and um, some shit had happened in a, in a relationship that I was in early on where I just realized like, I thought no one will ever love me. Yeah. I know that feeling, bro. <laughs> Man. 
I don't even think I brought that up on the solo cast, but that, yeah, there it still is. Fucking still there. Yeah. And that was so, so hard and difficult that it was like, all right, fuck it. I've got whatever pills I got left in the container. They're going down the hatch. And I knew that probably wasn't enough. I had 60 pills of fucking the two milligrams antibars, like really ridiculous strength shit. But I only had maybe 10 or 12 left. And I only had 10 or 20 left Vicodin so, or Valium. So I tossed it all down the hatch and I drove to the top of parking lot seven at ASU to jump off, stripped down naked. And the security guard saw me going up there in the middle of the night. And he was like, what the fuck is this drunk guy doing? You know, I probably was driving like a madman. And uh, right as that stuff kicking in, it actually, it might've worked in some way to calm the anxiety. But I, that was the first time where I really felt I'm not alone. Like, I don't have to do this alone. Like there was some sense of there's more in life. There, whatever consciousness is, whatever guiding light, God, whatever great spirit there is, I, I felt loved, you know? And this guy fucking caught up to me and he was like, hey, oh, you're naked. Uh, uh, what are you doing? Can you come down right now? And I was like, yeah, man, I'll come down. And uh, kind of woke up in a, in a hospital a day or two later snap, didn't remember anything. You know, my, my parents had flown out and my sister and they're like, uh, like, why are the fucking nurses such assholes here? And they're like, you were not nice to them. Oh, <laughs> I was like, okay, oh all right. That makes sense. But, um, you know, and I, I, you know, yeah, I had to let go of that, but, uh, I spent some time in, in what my mom calls a loony bin. I think it was like a transitionary place for people to detox and whatnot. And in that, it was funny because everyone there had their own issues. And they're looking at me like, you're fucking a 240-pound good-looking football player that goes to college and your, your family's here. Like, what the fuck do you have that's going wrong? Like, seriously, like, take a look in the mirror. And I'm like, it has nothing to do with that. It really doesn't. It had everything to do with me not doing the work and me not being comfortable in the world. You know, and that, having that break, it was necessary. It was a huge component. You know, and then, of course, they wanted to put me on SSRIs and all the the neurochemistry shit and hey, you got bipolar disorder and lithium was the first, you know, mental drug that I took where I realized I'm not going to take any of this stuff because it turned me into a fucking mute. I didn't feel highs or lows. I just felt nothing. And I felt I like a zombie that. floating yeah. through space. Yeah. And, and that might've been dose dependent or not, but it, the point is like, I realized right there, like whatever needs to be done needs to be done internally. I'm not going to fix it with a pill. And, um, that was a huge catalyst for me. And then not long after that, I got into fighting and there was my outlet. I hadn't done the work per se, but I had a new outlet. I had a team. I had something that was bigger than me that I could work towards. And I was really good at it. You know, my first two fights, I won in under 30 seconds. So it was like, there was a fucking draw, you know, like, Hey, I can be really good at something. And the goal of making it in the UFC had watched, you know, since I was a kid. Um, and along the way I had, uh, a boxing coach who was part Native American who would take me for traditional sweat lodges before and after every fight camp. Oh, no way. You know, yeah. yeah and uh, cool. we'd do the Timmy's call and, and before the fight camp, it would be to, to zero in and set an intention on what we want to accomplish and afterwards to heal and have reflection and to let go, you know? Wow. That's but, a cool uh, part of the, the warrior uh, experience there. I've done one sweat lodge. It was fantastic. It is. It's incredible. So, Even just, just the sweat. But at one yeah. point I asked him like, hey man, when are we going to do La Medicina? You know, and he, <laughs> he started laughing and just said, hey, um, I've been waiting for you to ask. Oh, So we, we dropped in with uh, psilocybin 
you know, many times and, and I was in, in a sweat lodge. Yeah. Right before you go in. So, I mean, you're, you're in the sweat and by round four, you're fucking balls deep. You're tripping on mushrooms in the sweat lodge. Yep. That's so hardcore. It dude. is. A, it is a, a, a wonderful combination of, of powerful means. And I can't direction. imagine yeah. that. Cause I, I have been doing saunas for, I, since I was a little kid, actually in hot springs, I'm used to hot and cold temperatures. I got that early on that it's good for you and all that. But in the sweat lodge I did, I was with a bunch of people. I didn't think they were like that badass. And I mean, I almost couldn't hang. They're like, try not to leave. And I'm just like, oh my God, are you guys fucking kidding me? Like, how long is this? And I'm sitting there, I'm like crammed in against the fucking edge of the little tent thing. And it was brutal. I yeah, can't every time imagine. I hit it with the water, it just goes up to the top, which is right at your forehead level. And yeah, it was super intense. So I can't imagine doing that tripping balls too. Yeah, those are powerful experiences. And that's wow. really... I had never, you know, like, like yourself, I had done shit inappropriately many times without an yeah. intention. Just uh, let me escape. Yeah, taking acid at the kegger. Yeah, and that was the <laughs> first time where I had an experience using plants in a constructive way to reveal what's going on inside. And so much weight had been lifted and so, much, so many things could be worked through in that setting, in that context and using them appropriately that it just turned me on to all of that. And I found so much power in those things. Ayahuasca taught me to meditate and do yoga. Like it was my message, three ceremonies in a row. And by the third ceremony, I was like, why the fuck do you keep telling me this? And the answer was, because you haven't started a daily wow. practice of yoga or meditation. Like you're not moving, you're not going to graduate to the new information until you start to master this. As you started getting into the plant medicines and exploring your consciousness, meditating, yoga, all that, you're still fighting? You're still in the MMA and all that? Yeah. You know, I, I had done psilocybin, probably started around 2010, ayahuasca in 2012. And uh, ayahuasca is, you know, it's in a league of its own. And How I, did you even find out about that shit coming from like the world that you did? Was it had, through the, the sweat lodge uh, yeah, box, yeah. Your fight coach guy? Yeah. And he, he passed away, but you know, he really planted the seed for all of that. And um yeah, man, you know, it's like there's, there's so much with that that I wouldn't have been exposed to in that way without him. So I owe, a, a, he, I have a huge debt of gratitude for him, you know, yeah. lots of love for him because he showed me that way. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's been a wild ride. I had a shoulder injury actually when I started ayahuasca. So there was time to take off from fighting and really dive deep okay. into the subconscious and see what's going on on the inside. And I only fought one time after that. By the time my shoulder had healed, I was training again. I wasn't sure I was going to fight again, you know, with the amount of money or lack of that fighters make and having a second job and living in my mom's garage. It, it started to not make sense anymore. Right. And, you know, taking health into consideration, if my face is getting hit hard enough to break, literally break, that's going to take its toll long term. Is that what happens? You can, actually, you can get all the bones broken up in your face and shit? Yeah, I've had my left eyebrow and orbital bone fractured twice. I've had my <laughs> jaw busted in two places. Like oh, fighting dude. a light heavyweight, you know, that's Chuck Liddell and Shogun Hua and John Jones. That's all that. I've never fought those guys, but that's the yeah. fucking division. You know, you're, wow. you're, you're about as big as a heavyweight out of fight camp and you cut down to 205 right. with all that power and speed. Yeah, it, it took its toll. That so. shit's crazy, dude. It's so interesting to uh, to just talk to someone who's explored that that part of their humanity in this journey, you know? Because as I said, for me, I'm, I always try to put myself in people's shoes. Like, oh, what would that be like to have that experience? You know, it's like, dude, I can't think of many things that I would dislike more 
than hopping in a fucking ring and having some huge guy hit me in the face even once, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Let alone multiple times for like a few minutes, you know, one blow. I'm like, yeah, I'm career over. I'm out. Bad idea. You know, it's just, it's so interesting to, uh, to have gone on that journey. But as you started to work with consciousness a bit and you start doing the math of, you know, this isn't really adding up. I'm not, you know, not going to be buying a house on this salary anytime soon and shit. You started to kind of fade out of, you know, the dream of doing that professionally ongoing. Yeah. And it was less important, you know, with doing the work with ayahuasca and things like that. Like it just wasn't the most important thing in my life anymore. And it really has to be to be successful at that. Right. You know, but all along the way I had been, you know, fighting taught me to dive deep into health and wellness and nutrition, mobility, all the things that would help me in the fight game. It was a reason to learn more. And I've read more in fighting than I ever did in college or prior. So I had a lot of knowledge there. And then after retiring, you know, diving into cognitive optimization, like what are the things I can do to help me heal the damage that I've done? And do you ever uh, get a concussion? Oh, fuck. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> okay, a yeah, concussion? yeah, yeah. Uh, many, you know, many, no I, shit. Many, many signs of concussion. Um, yeah, I talked about that on a Rogan experience when I fought Glover Teixeira. Uh, he hit me so hard in the temple twice with left hooks. That's the only fight where I forgot where the locker room was. So when oh, I was leaving the cage, dude. my coach had dipped out and I wandered through the halls aimlessly making small talk with anyone I bumped into because I didn't want to say, I don't know where the locker room is because that would result in a longer suspension. They would oh. say, hey, your head got fucked up. You got to take eight months off or six months off instead of being able to fight again in two months. Oh, so I didn't wow. tell the, I didn't tell anybody wow. and I just wandered around talking to be like, yeah, it was a shitty fight. Got my ass beat. You know, I was like, it's a fucked up deal, you know? And, and I didn't sleep well for three days. Um, definitely battled depression from that, which is a clear cut sign of concussion and uh, TBI. So it's, but these things are, they were the catalysts for me to learn about this stuff, to learn about yeah. how diet affects the brain, which supplements work, which nootropics work. How do we play with this stuff? How can I play with microdosing to help influence change? And, you know, the beautiful thing that as science catches up to this stuff, that's a little bit more out there from breath work and cold therapy biohacks to things like plant medicines, like DMT is incredibly healing for the brain. And in the oh, vine, really? yeah, man, in the vine, Banisteriopsis capi, which is one of the components, one of the, the biggest components of ayahuasca, they've found two alkaloids, harmine and harmaline, that actually help create new neurons. So you, you're, you're essentially, it's like one of the greatest concoctions you can have for the brain. And it's uh, found it to be incredibly healing. Have you ever done any, uh, you know, like brain scans or anything like that before earlier in life versus now after having done a lot of these interventions no, they, and stuff? They do, it, they do it now for fighters with the Cleveland Clinic out in Vegas, which is kind of the, the home base of the UFC. And um, I've talked to a few guys that, that have participated in that. I feel, you know, look, I would, I would be curious to look at it now, you know, to see like what has changed. Like, I obviously have nothing to compare it to, but what my brain looks like now having done all these interventions. But the truth is like we were talking about on the Onnit podcast, when you feel it, you understand that it's working, you know, and, yeah. and my memory recall works better than it ever did when I was a fucking kid right now. Right. Like I, and I even thought like once I went into ketosis, the way I was able to remember and recall things from books and the things I was reading and just fucking throw out numbers and understand and grasp the concept, I considered going back to school just because of that. And then I realized like, no, nah, I think this stuff can be learned outside of school. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's funny as you, as you get older and your, your passions change, so you started losing the passion for fighting. You're like, what's the point? There's, there's more to life than this. You mm -hmm. go in another direction. It's interesting how 
you can actually get a thirst for education. I've had that same thought. I'm like, I should go to business school. You know, I have two businesses. I don't know anything about fucking business other than just <laughs> trial and error. You know, if, but when I was a kid, if you're like, hey, you should go to business school, I'd be like, I'm playing in a band, dummy. Go to business school? I'm way too cool for that. So, <laughs> so you've been self-educating ever since that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what happened after you... Like, what'd you do for work and shit like that when you were like, oh, I'm not going to fight? I mean, no, what kind I worked, of prospects I worked did you the have? entire time I was in the UFC. Okay. I made 20 grand a fight if I won, 10 grand if I lost. Okay. For the, for, on average. Okay. So then you pay 10% to coaches, 10% to management. Then you pay the IRS off of your fucking 16 uh, grand. Because I'm like, that doesn't sound that bad. Shit. I might take a hit actually for 10 grand. <laughs> 10 grand? No, fuck that, dude. <laughs> 100 grand, maybe, you know, not 10. I mean, I think about the shit I have to do to make 10 grand. It's a lot of work. There's, there's stuff, but I don't get bloodied or get broken, you know, eyebrows either. It's long-term stuff that you consider, you know, yeah. you have to. So I mean, what's a UFC fighter, you know, that's winning top of his game, one of the, you know, top 10 famous guys, what are they getting to fight? Well, Conor McGregor's making seven figures, you know, but he's, he's kind of he's in a league of his own. Right. Um, you know, there's other guys that, that make around 300 grand a fight, that kind of thing. And, the, and the, those are champions, you know? Yeah. So it's, I mean, the pay scale, the pay scale so in fighting is just atrocious. Like the NFL in 2007 went on strike. The players union did because they wanted 55% of the total revenue and they won and got it. It's understood now that fighters from any given fight card, even when Connor gets seven figures, the total revenue split for fighters as a whole is under 15%, oh, 85% wow. of the owners. Damn. So it's a fucking different game. It's pretty know, rigged. For work, I was bouncing and bartending at a titty bar the entire right. time I was in the UFC. Wow. It was only like a six-month stretch where I could train full-time right. because of two fight-of-the-night bonuses. The second I lost again, I was right back to work in the grind until 3.30 a.m. Wow. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Today's show is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. Now, you guys know I'm always talking about their medicinal mushroom elixirs because I take them all the time. I'm super addicted to them. But now they've got a couple other products that I'm really into. They've got a decaf coffee for when I don't feel like freaking out on caffeine. And then they have a regular coffee, but not just coffee. Both of them are infused with medicinal mushrooms. So it's a mushroom coffee. They're fantastic. They've also got some matcha drinks like the matcha with lion's mane. And the thing that's cool about the Four Sigmatic drinks is they're totally organic. They're super powerful herbs and superfoods and mushrooms, but they're really easy to use. That's the issue I've had, like trying to be healthy and making myself some cool drinks is that it's kind of a pain in the ass and I have to open up all these different containers and it's a big project. Their products come in these little packets. You just pop them open. They're very portable. I take them on the plane. I take them on trips. I keep them in my bag, in my car. I kind of have them all over the house and I can just use them whenever I want. So Four Sigmatic, one of my favorite companies. If you want to check them out, I highly recommend that you do. To do that, you go to foursigmatic.com. And like all of my sponsors, they offer a sweet discount to the listeners. If you use the code LUKESTORY, you will save 15% off your order, which is a pretty good deal. So go to foursigmatic.com, enter the code LUKESTORY and save 15%. Check it out. And now back to the interview. At what point did you start to move into, you know, you're exploring health and wellness as we call it. And, you know, you're becoming a psychonaut and all this shit. But at what point did you start to do this kind of work professionally? Yeah, it was um, 
couple of years ago, I went on Joe Rogan's show and um, I know he tells this to fucking probably half the people he has on, but he's like, dude, you need to start a podcast. Oh, no way. And I was like, yeah, I've, I've considered it, but not really certain about it. And he's like, dude, it's easy. You know, young Jamie will help you get set up if you don't know the technical shit. And um, really wanted to do that. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the push and had a company come along that wanted to sponsor the podcast so I could do it full time. And so started doing that um, just last year. You know, I had my own podcast and it was doing, I mean, well for a brand new podcast, not taken off or anything like that. And um, came out to Paleo FX, met Aubrey. We shared the same flight home because uh, they're opening the next on it gym in Vegas. I was living in Vegas and we hit it off. We talked plant medicines, diet, health and wellness, just all the things. Yeah, you guys are like kindred spirits for sure. That's my brother. Yeah, that's sure. funny. And, uh, and I knew who Aubrey, I'd followed Aubrey for years on the Rogan yeah. show and, and already was balls deep with Alpha Brain and a lot of the Onnit products. Right. So he offered me a job. I was like, well, I kind of got a good thing here in Vegas. We got family. And um, as chance would have it, I was flying out for an interview and in the airport, that company let me go without severance. So wow. it was like, oh shit. All right. And I fucking meditated the entire flight getting in just to fucking be calm and present. And I actually felt better when I got off the flight than when I did before the flight. Like, but with hearing the news, not figuring out like, where are we going to fucking live? What are we going to do? And uh, it was awesome. You know, got hired here and it's been a pretty fast change of pace. You know, we moved twice last year, a lot of stressors, but um, Austin's a fucking beautiful place. And um, you know, at first I thought I'd just be taking over the Onnit podcast and, and really there, I do so much more here that it's, it's really fulfilling. And there's, there's a lot of novelty here, you know, it, it keeps shit fresh and, and for having a, a desk, you know, and a, a cubicle, it's a pretty fucking cool place. You know, we get the infrared sauna dual and hot rock we can use on the clock. You know, we're in, everyone here is encouraged to work out and to move. A lot of times you'll see me outside grounding with my shirt off, doing Tai Chi in the fucking grass. And just, experience, you know, I look like a fucking weirdo. I'm kind of the, the company guinea pig. Um, but it's beautiful to have that freedom. You know, I'm rarely at my desk unless I actually have to bang on some emails or do some work. But for the most part, I get to experience what it means to be, you know, living the life of total human optimization. On the way over here from my Airbnb to the uh, on at HQ, the Uber driver and I were having a chat. They're very chatty here, which I'm not normally a fan of. And I, I, I've had, a, had the dis discipline where I have to tell Uber drivers like, hey, like, no offense, you seem like a great person, but I really just like some quiet time. And, and I'm like such a people pleaser. It's actually hard for me to do that, but I've learned. Mm. This girl started talking. I was about to be like, yeah, I already told her to turn the radio off. She's bumping some fucking techno when I got in. I'm like, not having it. She starts talking. I'm like, hmm, how annoying is this going to be? And then I thought I could A, be a nice person and be friendly to her. <laughs> B, it'll get me in a good talkative state because I'm about to go record two podcasts. So she didn't know she was being used as a flow state and, um, you know, <laughs> instigator. <laughs> but what she said, she was like, I love driving Uber because I don't like having a job. And I said, you know what? I hate having a job too. I don't even have a job. I have companies, but I don't have a job. And then when I came in here on that thought, that's the last thing we talked about was how much jobs suck. And I walk in here, I'm looking at you guys. I'm like, dude, I was going to work anywhere. This would be the spot. Meditation room, gym, sauna, all kind of every kind of smoothie and superfood you could ever want. Good lighting, ACs bumping. You got PMF. You got a massage table. 
I'm like, if you're going to have a job, this is the place to have a job. So just shout out to Onnit if you guys are hiring any of my listeners. <laughs> you know, I would definitely be on their human resources tip. And like, if you're going to work anywhere, this is probably the best place in the world. So let's get into some of the other practices that you're into. Uh, I want to know about, uh, you know, the kind of breath work you're into, the cold plunges, you know, all the kind of stuff that you're doing um, on the physical level. Yeah, there's and, certainly... and also what your workouts look like now, uh, not training to go kick someone's ass, but working more on whatever you're working on bodily. Yeah, those are much different. You know, I, I experiment with a lot of things and, and keep what sticks, right? And certainly, you know, listen to Wim Hof on Ferris and Rogan's made a lot of sense to me. I started hitting the breath work right in the car while I was listening. And then, all right, no breath holes. I'm fucking getting lightheaded. <laughs> it, <laughs> Don't it, do what I did this morning to pass out <laughs> in the car for sure. It works. You know, it really does work. And um, I probably spent thousands of dollars on ice over the years. We had a horse trough that I got off Amazon. And um, you're looking at 60 to 80 bucks every time you want to do an ice bath. That shit adds up quick. But uh, Kelly Charette, Matt Vincent were telling me, like, buy a chest freezer. You would That's throw what I did. In. Yeah, dude. It's so, the best thing. I wanted to ask you about that because I yeah. heard you're using, like, hydrogen drops and all sorts of cool little add-ins. Yeah. All I've been doing is Epsom salt and uh, dead sea salt. But I want to mitigate growth of fungus, bacteria, and mold, whatever the fuck's going to grow in that thing. Yeah. We shower before we get in. But, you know, anything that can make the water last longer is also savings, you know? Yeah. So... Do you want to know the download real yes, quick? Yes, I want the download. I put together this protocol for Ben Greenfield because he got wind of my setup. And then, I don't know, I started making the email and it ended up being longer than just like, oh yeah, buy the thing at Sears. I was like, God damn it, I can't do anything half-assed. So I made this whole protocol with Amazon links and all this. And I think he's making a blog post about it. He is. This week comes up Tuesday. Oh, okay, cool. BenGreenfieldFitness.com. Cool. So I'll give Ben a shout out and you can find this protocol uh, there. And, you know, of course I borrowed bits and pieces of it, pieces of it from other people, but... Um, First thing I did is I bought the Sears freezer and you want at least 17 cubic feet, probably more for a guy your size. I mean, maybe. I got 22. I can yeah, 22 is good. And then if you really wanted to, you could squeeze another person in there and you could sit feet to feet in mm -hmm. there, you know, not that comfortably, but you could do it. But what I realized when I first got it is I'd fill it up with water and I use a, a chlorine filter on the end of the hose that gets out some of the chemicals. It's probably not a great filter, but it's better than just raw dog tap water from LA water, which is highly toxic and disgusting. So I filtered the water, filled it up, but then I realized two things. A, you just leave that shit on, it turns into a fucking iceberg. It does. You, you can't regulate the temperature. The dial does nothing. I mean, you put the dial on low and leave it on 24 hours and it'll be all frozen. So then I got a timer and I had to play with the timing. And in LA weather, about two hours a night keeps it between 40 and 45 degrees, which is kind of a sweet spot for me. Although I found out to get a CT effect, you actually don't need it that cold, which is good news because that shit's brutal. So the timer to regulate the temperature. Then one day I'm in there and I'm looking up at the sun. I'm going, oh, this is amazing, man. I'm in this cold water. I'm getting the sun exposure. This is so healthy. And then I realized I'm not grounded. No fucking body of water on the planet is ever not grounded unless it's a man-made thing where the water's suspended somewhere. I'm like, that can't be good. I don't know why scientifically, but it just, it's not natural. So I got a, a copper grounding spike and put that into the dirt next to it. And then there's a wire going into mm. the tub with an alligator clip. So now I'm grounded. But here's the thing, depending on where you live, you got to make sure that you have a, um, a breaker on that wire because if lightning strikes the ground around your ass, you don't want to be sitting in that tub. The breaker is going to, it's going to break the seal so that you're not grounded to the ground that now is full of electricity from the lightning. That's a really important part. And then the other part is to unplug it when you're in there. 
just be on the safe side. You never know. You might fall through the bottom and the water goes into the fucking engine. You electrocute yourself. I don't know. It just seems safe to me. And then uh, another part of it is to, uh, I forgot this, this, before you fill it up, to take clear silicone and do all of the creases around it because eventually it'll start to oxidize and rust a little bit where uh, there's cracks in the metal that it's made out of. Like okay. some of the paint will wear a little bit thin. Mm. So you silicone seal that to prevent the rust. And then for the disinfection, I don't know where I got this idea, but I just take a whole bottle of hydrogen peroxide, like the 3% stuff from Rite Aid or whatever, and I just empty a whole bottle in there every time I change the water. And it seems to uh, slow down the bacterial growth so that the water lasts like two or three weeks without getting swampy. Okay. And you'll know when it gets swampy because you get in there, when you open the lid, you're like, oh, swamp ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's not, especially if you don't shower, like you said, before you get in there. Uh, the one that I have is at Story Fitness, my brother's gym, but really I'm the only one that really uses it. Everyone, I don't know, they haven't caught on to how dope it is. And I think that's the whole protocol. Yeah, awesome. and, you, and you can do all that for around six, 700 bucks. Yeah, and that's my, my, what I was getting at with the, the cost of ice. Yeah, Once you dude, realize that's what I used benefit, to do. It's so it's such a benefit. It's a fucking meditation hack. You can't think about anything else. What temperature do you do and for how long? We go between 35 and 55. And so I'll plug it in for probably six hours. Some ice will float around. Yeah. And uh, we'll get in, you know, at 35, I'll do probably three to five minutes. Uh, I've gone a little bit longer in the past, but I don't find that to be necessary. You know, and then probably in the 10 minute range or in the, when it's in the low 40s and then 15, 20 minutes you know, maybe 25 times. When you say we, who else is getting in there? My wife. Oh, she's down with this stuff? Yeah, man. She's oh, getting, that's it's cool. The, it's the fucking move. You know, it's, it's one of that's the cool amazing. things that helps performance and longevity. You know, right. anytime we influence the mitochondria, we influence muscle function, how our body creates energy, and that also taps into cognitive energy, you know? Do you, do you, do you go in there after you work out, like after you lift? Most people would say that you'd want to have at least a two-hour window before or after, that kind of shit. Right. The truth of the matter is, like Nick now, and that, that can segue us in because I know we're running out of time, but how I train now, it's way different. You know, I, I used to train two or three times a day, five days a week, and have, you know, one, one easy workout and then a day off. And um, A, that's unsustainable, but B, like, I don't need to be in that kind of shape. So why would yeah. I fucking do that? It's not fun. Um, and plus I was a piece of shit in between my training, you know, I'm just dragging ass until I'm actually 30 minutes into a warm up. Then I feel awake and alive and, and can move. Right. So having a three-year-old that's not really conducive to, to being a good father, if I show up and I can't play and I have to sit on the couch and sorry, you know, and how many, how many fucking dads come home from work and have no energy for their kid? It's a shitty situation, right? Yeah. So when I show up, I want to be the best version of myself. And I've actually found that the cold bath is my late afternoon, early evening cup of coffee. Like I can't drink coffee at that point and have good sleep. But if I hit five minutes in the bath when I get home from work, I've got a fucking ton of energy for my son until he's ready to crash. And then I do sleep better. You know, so the timing of that has been essential for me. That's interesting. I never have really done it much in the afternoon like that. It's usually a morning thing, like after I work out. Yeah, everyone that, that maybe I that's, I've heard, maybe that's why I don't have muscles because I'll go work <laughs> out and then stop the inflammation that would grow muscle. You know, yeah. I, that's one theory. I don't know if that's, that's true. the only reason you're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, I, I might lift weights once or twice a week now. You right. know, and, and that's not, I would love to do it more often. I truly enjoy it. Like it, obviously you get a lot of endorphins and, and feel good chemistry going on every time you work out, but I don't really put myself through the grinder anymore. Like I have 30 yeah. to 45 minute workouts. Usually I'll, I'll try to pair that 
killing two birds with one stone with some sauna for 15 to 20 minutes right after. And there's a lot of good science that shows that can have an EPO-like effect on the body if you time it because your, your core temperature is already up. So you don't need to necessarily have to hit an hour. You can just tack 20 oh, minutes on yeah. the end of your workout. That's like the niacin uh, detox that I was doing. We didn't get into that <laughs> oh, on our shit, podcast. Dude. I want you to fucking That's drop right. knowledge on this. That's right. Oh, fuck, man. Well, it's your interview, so I don't have to do it another time. Okay. But it's it's the, for anyone who wants to look it up, it's it's the L. Ron Hubbard original Scientology niacin sauna detox protocol. And it's... You might start seeing aliens. You might start seeing aliens. Yeah. You might start watching a lot of Tom Cruise movies. There are a lot of known side effects. Uh, but essentially what you're doing is you just, you're taking increasing doses of niacin every day for, uh, you know, however, however long you choose to do it. I did it for a month uh, up to from 100 milligrams to 3000 milligrams, which would like normally kill a horse, I think. But then what you're doing is you're exploding your fat cells, right? And you're releasing all these toxins and then you flush them out in the sauna and then take some binders and stuff like that. So you just take a shit ton of vitamins, you take the niacin, you work out, then you get in the sauna and it's, it's not that hard. It's just the timing takes a little bit of discipline. But you, an easy way to find out about it, I mean, you can go on there. Uh, this guy Brett has a Facebook group, the niacin, I think it's called the niacin sauna detox group. And you can go on there and get tons of info if you, you know, if you guys want to put it in like your show notes from your show or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, how'd you get your wife on board with the ice baths and the whole lifestyle? Was that like a, a tough buy-in or does she she's, naturally she's gravitate been toward it? on board reluctantly with all the things. Oh, you cool. Know? Um, she had never done any drugs growing up, never smoked pot. And her what? first ceremony was, <laughs> I, brought, I brought an ounce to my coach for the Tamez call. And it's something that, you know, I was telling her like, it's different. It's not about being high. It's spiritual. It's going to help us learn what's really going on inside and, and reveal yeah. a lot. And um, she was in. So we went to uh, the reservation and three of my teammates were supposed to come with us. All of them backed out while we were driving out there. So I had an ounce and I was like, well, we'll just take whatever he gives us and I'll give the rest as a thank you. You know, so dude literally pulls two fucking caps out and says, thank you. And starts splitting the rest of the bag into pairs and blessing it with sage. And he has us eat each divided about 13 and a half grams for her oh first experience. Oh my God, no way. And she's like, I mean, she's never chewing. smoked pot or anything. No. And there's, I mean, oh, dude. they weren't ground. It's not like we got to drink it. We had to right. chew through that much. Very like nasty. 20 too. minutes in and she's looking at me and she's like, is this a lot of mushrooms? I feel like we've been eating for a long time. And right. I didn't want to freak her out. And I was like, no, you know, whatever he's given us is, is the right dose. You know, like I have trust in him. He wouldn't give us more. You can't overdose. Like, we're going to be good. And we were. It was a fucking full moon ceremony. Absolutely incredible. And from that point on, that opened her up. You know, it was something like that, dude. Yeah, I mean, she, <laughs> she knew, like, there is power in this. Yeah. And um, when ayahuasca came along, she was like, I really don't want to shit my pants or puke violently for yeah. hours on end. So I'll let you go down the rabbit hole first. And if you can report about it back to me, then, then maybe I'll do it. And I couldn't talk about that experience for two weeks without just bursting into tears. That's how much it changed me. Wow. It was that deep, you know, and mushrooms I find to be now through working with ayahuasca, I can dose that in a way where it's just as powerful, but they're still their own thing. They really are. And um, that was the draw for her to want to do ayahuasca with me. And she's done, she's done it 12 times now. She's done 10 wow. of them with me. And uh, 
you know, a lot of growth through there. I mean, that revealed to me the way that I drank. That revealed to me all the things that you hear from other people. Like, I don't think you should drink. I know, you know what that's like. And you're going to, and it's like, well, you're just a fucking nag. Maybe not. Maybe you can see something I can't, you know, and right. that, that revealed that to me. And our relationship is so much better because of that, you know? So now when I say, hey, this is really going to help us with fat loss, with longevity, with whatever, um, she gets it, you know? Right. She that's that's pretty more. smart, actually, because if, if you buy into the consciousness piece and have those aha clouds parting moments, then it does tend to kind of open you up to other things. I mean, those are those transformative experiences that are the gateway to the rabbit hole. So yeah. well done, my friend. Yeah, lured her, her into ice baths and biohacks <laughs> yeah. through yeah, drug Yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. I, and, you know, I'm single at the moment, but I look forward to someday, hopefully, you know, you don't want a carbon copy of yourself, obviously, but it, it, I think it'd be cool to share those kind of experiences. I've not really had that um, prior where someone is on board with all the shit that I'm into, which is a little bit weird because I'm so into it. You know, it's hard yeah. to kind of, if you're if you're too separate and too different, then like, how the fuck do you spend time together? You yeah, know? you so. watch a movie that you may not like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. shit like that. She's so, pulled me. It goes both ways, you know. What she has got she turned you on to? Distance running and no yoga. way. Yeah, she's doing yoga teacher training right now, and I've been helping her with that. Oh, cool! Jumping into home classes where her teachers post stuff online, and um, we'll do classes together. And and that you know, anytime you go through experiences together that are lifting and ultimately make you more whole. That's the shit that matters. Yeah. That's, that's the sweet spot. And I think the more things that you can do as a couple, whether that's hiking or being in nature or, you know, going through ceremony, like all those experiences bring you closer. Can I ask you something really personal and trippy? Mm -hmm. And obviously you don't have to answer. You can just plead the fifth, but have you guys had sex on ayahuasca? You can't have sex on ayahuasca. Oh, you can't? Okay. It's not part of the tradition. Three days before ceremony, (laughs) no sex, three days after ceremony. But we've had sex on mushrooms, LSD. Right. Uh, The other night we had... LSD, 2CB, MDMA, and Viagra. It's first time for that. <laughs> it was fucking insanely good. Oh insanely my good. God, bro. Yeah. Wow. And I'm since she's on board with the lifestyle, I'm sure she doesn't mind you talking about that. That's that's fantastic. Wow, man. Good for you. I mean, I can just imagine, I think I asked that question. What I'm really getting at is the level of intimacy that must be possible when you're going into those dimensions with someone that you love and trust, you know? Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's a time and a place for that. You know, like like one of the reasons Terrence McKenna talks about how you would archetype the best heroic dose is to be alone or be with just one other person or a guide in a dark place that has instrumental music. So you're taking out all these external factors. Yeah. You know, that's how you do the work, right? Yeah. And so in when it's at its strongest, that's not the time you're having sex or yeah, chatting about the experience. <laughs> I pretty much knew the answer yeah. to that one. Yeah, but... you play by play, but certainly as it's sure. wearing off and you, you know, sure. you have closing circle and talk about your experience, like it's still in you and heightened awareness, heightened sensitivity and feeling and touch. Like what a great way to capitalize on that experience. Right. You know, that's cool. What are you going to do when your kid's 16 and starts doing plant journeys and shit with his homies? Uh, his first will probably be in the Amazon prior to the homies. Right. You okay. know, I want to teach him in a way where he understands the right way and the wrong way to do all these things. Yeah. You know? And certainly, um, not in a parking lot of a rap concert. Or yeah, something. man. He's going to hear all my stories. You know, my parents did a lot right. of this shit growing up and I never found out about it until I was like 20 or something. Really? You know? And so that's something where you don't want to leave that off the table. You know, you really need to know yeah. like, this will do this, this will do that. And I've gone down the rabbit hole on all of it. And if you want to experience it, that's fine, but let's do it in a controlled setting. Even if you want to get fucking drunk, let's experience that in a closed, in a controlled setting where you're not going to drive, you're not going to get hit, you're not going to get into a fight. 
And then you can feel what that does to your body the next day. Right. You know, and really being like Kelly Stratt talked about this with his daughters, not forcing them to never eat gluten, but maybe it can, it can hurt some people. It can be inflammatory. And then, you know, that once they understand that they go to a party as a seven-year-old eat cake and their t- stomach hurts. Yeah. And they shit weird. And they're like, all right, next time I go, I'm just going to try the frosting. And then even though that's pure sugar, it didn't fuck them up the same way. Right. Right. So you give them the knowledge and then let them make the choice for themselves because ultimately everyone does walk their own path. But in this, in doing that, you at least show them why there's this cause and effect is happening. You know, you reminded me of something my dad did. God bless him. He's such a trickster. When I was a kid, I was, he dipped, you know, he chewed skull. Like a lot of, you know, cowboys did in Colorado at the rodeos and shit. And I always thought that was dope when I must've been like seven or eight. And I was always bugging him. Hey, can I try it? Can I try it? No, 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 you can't. It's for grownups. And um, for some reason I hadn't stolen it, you know, and tried it myself, which is bizarre. But one day he's like, you know what? We're on one of his construction sites and he was an excavator. And he said, you know what? You want to try it? Are you a man now? said, yeah, I'm tough. Look at my cowboy boots, you know? <laughs> he said, all right. And he pulled out a big old fucking scoop of that, put it in my lip, and he did not tell me not to swallow. Ooh. And I'm sucking on that shit, swallowing the juice, and I got so, so sick that I didn't take that dip again for probably like six months. Uh, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, it didn't, you, you know, his, circled back yeah, his, No, his, his shit didn't work, but... It was illustrating, you know, a similar principle that's like, hey, if you're going to do it, sure, do it with me and you'll find out what it's really about. But he was trying to trick me into not becoming a tobacco user, which failed miserably. <laughs> so, so now that you're a dad and I'm like, God damn, I'm watching that clock and thinking about Austin International Airport. I'm, I'm good though. I'm, I'm always kind of pushing the limits on the, my Jason Bourne way of traveling. So we'll be cool. I want to know just as someone who is not yet a dad and you not following the lead, mostly that your parents taught you about parenting. God bless them. We've, we've talked about that. Um, how do you learn about like how to be a dad? Are you reading books or listening to like dad of the week podcast or paleo papas? How do you learn this shit intuitively? There's or, a lot of books, you know, everyone's got a fucking book on how to parent. Everyone's got a book on children's nutrition. I think, you know, nutritionally uh, nourishing traditions of Baby and Child Care by Sally Fallon. She's head of the Weston A. Price Foundation. In oh, New York. that's a good place to start. Fucking great. Absolutely great. And certainly on the natural way to fix colds and fevers and shit that's going to come up because all kids get sick. That's been a real resource. Um, in terms of parenting style and how to discipline and all that, I mean, there's, there's talks on all sides, you know, I think. But one of the best that we've read is uh, Positive Discipline. I forget the author. And then one that really grabs me is by Gabor Mate and another doctor. And Gabor is fucking just a wealth of knowledge and all that. It's called Hold On to Your Kids. Oh, and they talk about wow. attachment. You know, when, when kids lose their attachment to their parents, everybody wants their kid to be independent and fucking go play with your friends and do all this other shit. So it's hands off because it's a lot of work. But the truth is you want that attachment to stay until they're fucking out of the house, until they go to college. You want them to be attached to you because they listen. People wonder why kids don't listen now and why discipline doesn't work or fill in the fucking blank. It's because they don't respect their fucking parents anymore. You know, so you create that attachment through six different methods. One of them is touch and play. And truly by having that, that's when they want to follow the lead. That's when they say, can I do this daddy? Or yes or no. And then they, they pay attention. It's not just to have a fucking robot there. You're still going to have Kids will be kids. They're going to push the fucking envelope and try to explore what they can get away with. That's totally normal. 
Yeah. Um, but that's been an excellent resource. That's cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense in the context of uh, Gabor's work with addiction, which a lot of mm-hmm. his stuff is um, centered around in that it's all coming from trauma. And I kind of got that. I was like, oh, I was abused and this and that. But his concept of trauma is wide reaching. A lot of the trauma that he talks about, and correct me if I'm wrong, or you maybe can add to it, is that lack of connection, that lack of love is sort of this like reverse trauma in a sense. Like no one did anything to you. It's what they didn't do that was the trauma, which yeah. leads to so many, you There's know, There's science I reference like quite that. a bit where kids who were beat by their parents felt more love than, than the rich dad who never showed up. The guy who let wow. the nanny raise the kid who was always off on vacations with his wife or his mistress and just wasn't there. They never disciplined him, never grounded him, never did anything, just didn't give a fuck. Like that science is real and it makes perfect sense when you understand it and look at it that way. Like the parents who beat their kids or disciplining their kids, they care about their actions and it may not be the right way to go about it, but they're at least showing that they love them in some way, wrong way or not. Yeah, that's interesting. Wow, cool, man. Well, I I look forward to watching you and and your kid's journey and seeing how that turns out. Do you think you're going to put him in public school? You have any, I mean, I know he's only three, but where are you you leaning on the homeschool? I'm thinking Waldorf. Uh, like, they have that out here? Yeah, I like, oh, cool. I like Rudolf Steiner quite a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, my wife was homeschooled, so that's a consideration. It's just a lot of work, you know? And I think yeah. it would be nice to, take, to give her a break, especially with how much I travel now for work and things like that. Right. It's a lot to ask. Right. So, you know, and, considering Waldorf and other schools, but, uh, you know, we were about a year away from preschool, two years away. So we'll see. I got to ask this, and this is a, you know, maybe a weird closing question because it's so loaded, but I just did an episode uh, with this guy, Del Bigtree, on vaccines. And a lot of people think he's an anti-vaccine guy, but he's just, from what he explained in the show, and he made a lot of sense, he's a pro-research for safety guy. Like, let's actually do some research and not just throw this shit out on the market and inject kids with 75 vaccines by the time they're five or whatever. Was that a concern with you? How are you guys dealing with that? I think spacing is really important, you know, and I think that some vaccines kids need, some maybe not so much, you know, and we see now with just same thing with the pharmaceutical industry, like, oh, you got restless leg syndrome, you know, maybe it's, maybe you take this pill instead of why do you fucking have that in the first place? Right. Right. We're treating the symptom, not the source. And I think a lot of vaccines, they'll create a vaccine for everything. They really will. So what are the core ones that we need? How do we space those appropriately so they don't have the load of fucking mer- mercury or ethyl mercury or whatever the fuck they're changing it up to, thymerosol, that kind of shit. Right. And because um, if, if, why do they not give it to cancer patients or, or people with HIV? Because they can fucking die from it. They're immunocompromised. Well, a newborn is compromised. They're not fully developed yet. Yeah, so they're just building their immune system their, from day one. that shit in their body right out of the gate, it can be a real issue. And I think, spacing at the very bare minimum is crucial, you know? Yeah. And I think more investigation needs to be done into that. Um, I'm not, you know, anti or anything like that. I think that there's, you know, there, there certainly was a time and a place for them when we were sick as a society and had less sanitation. Um, I don't know. I don't like where it's heading. It's a $30 billion a year industry. You know, there's a lot of money on the table. Anytime you force people to do shit, you know, then without consequence, we see how that science leads the way. It pushes the way. This is safe. Look at fucking glyphosate from Monsanto. Yeah. It's money that gets it into the food supply. Aspartame as a fucking artificial sweetener is a neurotoxin. Money is why it's in the food supply. Our government doesn't give a flying fuck about us, uh, right? That's not a conspiracy theory. Money talks, right? So yeah. I think if people do their research and understand w- which things are necessary, and they talk about that in the book, Nourishing Traditions, Book of Child and Baby Care, um, 
you can at least have a better idea and understanding of what you feel is important and when the timing's right and then take it from there. How are the laws in Texas as far as that goes? It's a little bit better. Uh, California just recently switched. Like you, you can't put your kid in public school. There's no, there's no medical uh, grants, I don't think, anymore. You definitely can't do religious or spiritual uh, exemptions. Yeah. Here is different. You know, they're pretty right wing, but they also believe in, you know, we should have a choice over what we put in our kids' bodies. So right. exemptions are are utilized here. Again, this is that's that's a couple years down the road yeah. for when we got to look at that. Yeah. But, yeah. I guess that's the the advantage of having a more conservative state government in Texas. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what's cool kind of about Austin is you have like a conservative state government, but a kind of liberal culture. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Just from my, you know, four or five days I've been here or whatever it's been. It's it's pretty cool. Uh well man. I think that about does it, dude. You've taught me a ton of stuff today. It's really interesting getting to know you. And thanks so much for having me on your show too, by the way. Uh, In closing, who have been three teachers or teachings that you might send our listeners to go check out that have influenced you and your life and your work? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Let me go first and foremost. I'll throw a plug to my boy, Aubrey, who just released Own the Day, Own Your Life. Great book. It is a fucking phenomenal book. I read it several times. Um, I think it's a great place for people to start to really try to put together what the perfect day looks like. And there's many practices that I've taken out of that book that work really well. Um, a New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, which I'm sure you mentioned a ton of times, is just, it's a book. It's the, bu- the book that I've read the most at any book. I've read it probably 11 or 12 times. And I still pick up things from it as I rehash that. You know, I'll probably read it once a year now and continue to learn from it. You know, it's been an excellent resource. Um, Man, I don't know necessarily that I'd have a third for a person. <laughs> That's funny. The last guest that I interviewed, they got two and they were like, yeah, I don't know. Three I can't do. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I, I could list like no, I know. any any one particular thing like, yeah, you want the keto, the keto reset diet by Mark Sisson. Right. You're going to eat carbs. You want to know the best way to do that? Why are you to eat by Rob Wolf? You want this? I think I got this for you. That kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. But as far as like truly impactful things, I probably those are the top Awesome, man. I appreciate okay. it. And where can people find you? Website, social media, all that stuff. At Kingsboo on Twitter and Instagram. Don't really go on Facebook much. Um, at On It on all the social media channels. I run uh, Facebook Lives every other week through their channel on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. On It Podcast and then onit.com. Awesome, dude. Thanks for joining me. I got to get to the goddamn airport. Let's do it, brother. I'll see you next time. Hell yeah. Well, 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 there you go, folks. As promised, as delivered, another bomb-ass episode of the Lifestylist podcast made possible because of the bomb-assness of Kyle Kingsbury. What a great dude. Had a really fun time sitting down for the couple conversations I had with him. Can't wait to get back out to Austin and uh, maybe he can teach me how to build a muscle or something. Dude uh, has got that part figured out as well as a lot of other life skills as indicated in this episode. So thank you so much for listening and thank you to Kyle if you ever hear this dude and thanks for the ride to the airport, man. <laughs> that was a cool move. All right, so let's uh, let's do a little announcement here. Um, a lot, I get a lot of emails, direct messages about what's the best product for this, the best supplement, the best biohacking, my favorite saunas, red light devices, all of that. And after a couple of years of people asking me for my recommendations because, you know, they trust me because I'm so into this shit and I'm such a freak of a researcher that I finally just put links to every single thing that I personally use on my website. So if you go to lukestory.com forward slash store, you're going to find 
the best of the best, everything that I use, have used, or that I've vetted. And what's really cool for you is you get discounts on a lot of this stuff, including, of course, all of the products that are represented by our sponsors. So you can find everything that I'm into over at lukestory.com forward slash store. And what's great about it is that not only do you get discounts, but in some cases, when you click through the links on my store site, I get a small commission from purchases, which allow me to fund the show and pay for sound editing and graphic design and web hosting and posting crap on YouTube and all of the stuff that goes into this thing we call the Lifestylist Podcast. So thank you so much for uh, supporting your own health and well-being as well as the show. And speaking of support and well-being, let's give a specific shout out to this week's sponsors. Of course, on it. I mean, duh. We got Kyle on the show from Onnit. So if you go to onnit.com forward slash Luke, you're going to get 10% off all foods and supplements for a limited time. And you can also receive a uh, 14 count bottle of Alpha Brain, which you can try for free. I love that stuff. It's good for the dome. Helps you to think clearly and be hella smart. It's a nootropic. It's all natural. It's awesome. I think it's the first nootropic I ever tried. So go to onnit.com forward slash Luke. Next up, our old buddies at Organifi. Go to Organifi, that's with an I, Organifi.com forward slash Luke. Save 20% with the code Lifestylist. Next up, Four Sigmatic. I had a a coffee this morning with Four Sigmatic Cordyceps mushrooms in it. Boom, there you go. I use it, I abuse it, I'm into it. Four Sigmatic. Go to foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke story. Save 15% 15% off with the code Luke story. So that's it. Three sponsors this week, Organifi, Onnit, and Four Sigmatic. Our buddies. And honestly, I don't know how much you guys know about podcasting, but it's very expensive to produce a professional show. I mean, I could just sit here and record the shit on my iPhone and then just upload it to the internet somewhere and you could listen to it in iTunes. But uh, to do it the way that we do it over here, it's really expensive. And that's why we have um, sponsors for the show. They pay for time and I'm happy to promote them because I believe in each and every one of them. Believe it or not, I do get requests to run ads sometimes on the show and it's not in alignment with my scene and I just don't do it. Thankfully, there's enough brands that are fans of the show and uh, that I think are in alignment with not only what I'm into, but hopefully what you're into. So there you go. That's another episode. And uh, I will lastly just remind you that this Friday, we've got a seriously radical show coming, a bootleg broadcast all about orgasm as a spiritual discipline with Eli Block. That's a bonus episode, bonus episode, not a regular show. It comes out this Friday. And then next Tuesday, I'm doing the be all end all of Wi-Fi episodes. People have been asking for this. I did one early on um, last season. But this is like the mother load of all things EMF. It's about how your cell phone and Wi-Fi are trying to kill you and how to stop it with Brian Hoyer. And uh, this is a two-hour interview where I ask every goddamn question you could ever imagine about how to protect ourselves from EMFs. And uh, I think now we're kind of all in agreement that this is not a tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. This is not paranoia. The fields that surround us biologically are not good for us. And in many cases do cause disease. They are at the root of disease. We just live in a totally unnatural environment. Uh, However, I'm not going to go live in the tundra outside of cell phone service or Wi-Fi anytime soon. So we have to develop and discover ways to protect ourselves. And Brian is an expert at doing that. He's a building biologist. So he's going to teach us 
not only about the dangers and get us all paranoid, but he's going to give us some great solutions. So to learn about orgasm this Friday and to learn about EMS next Tuesday, make sure that you subscribe to this show. So whatever you're listening to this on, whatever device, whatever app, reach down right now, seriously, like right now as you hear my voice and click subscribe. That way you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for listening to the show. Please tell a friend and do anything you can to help spread this information to the world. Help us to uh, enlighten people with these truths and uh, the world's going to be a better place. Thanks. I'll see you on Friday with Eli Block. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.